This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. I'm Sam Knights. We are in the Citizen Capital Studio in Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. What's up? What's up? Hello to our uh, viewers on Patreon and YouTube. Patreon subscribers, five bucks a month, you get to live stream the show like Roy is doing right now. Roy says, I hope we can discuss how Medicare for all is not actually good, but is in fact bad, like sex with Mr. Weeks, 60 degree peen. This, this comment is very online. Yes, very online comment. A few of you will get that. Most of you probably uh, won't get that. Roy, following up with how we could discuss what will be the biggest media spectacle of 2018 when Donald Trump travels to Hollywood to dip his baby hands into concrete in order to restore civility. This is, this is a rare feel-good story. Donald Trump's star on the Walk of Fame got fucking tore up with a pickaxe, right? Yeah. Yeah, this has happened a few <laughs> times, I believe, hasn't it? It's been destroyed a few times. I don't think it's ever been fully destroyed. With the pickaxe? Trotsky skull style. Yeah, that's that's some extremely good shit. Uh, we got uh, Luke. going to have like a million angry commenters be like, actually, it was an ice pick that got <laughs> Trotsky. <laughs> you will. <laughs> Uh, we got Luke saying uh, good morning to us. Uh, noticing Sam Knight wearing a cap shirt today instead of the oversized John McCain shirt. Luke also pointing out that it's good borscht weather in Washington here today. Good borscht weather. It's because of the Russian interference in our diet. <laughs> and uh, Kevin watching on the live stream. Says he's looking forward to the Twitch stream later. Sam Knight, are you going to be uh, firing up the Twitch stream later today? I think I am. And I noticed how you referred to me in the second person, singular, as opposed to the uh, first person, plural. Yeah. Sam Sachs is having some cold feet about streaming GTA. I'm just, I'm just, worried, I'm just worried about sticking to the ethic. The GTA socialist ethic that we've laid out that you don't think we can follow. I start- only stealing high-end cars, not murdering the innocent. That doesn't include cops or troops, for the record. Of course not. It's it is hard when part of the game is uh, starting a arms export uh, operation for someone who's either a uh, private military contractor or CIA or both or something. It's it's really hard to adhere to a moral code in GTA, but. We can just drive around, like like I said before, we, we don't have to do missions. We can just try to drive around and get five stars. Yeah, we'll do that. Uh, and yeah, why don't we do that later? Yeah, we, we, we promise not to be too offensive on the live stream. At least I do. Sam's going to go off and do his thing, you know? What are you talking? What have I said that's, that's even remotely offensive? Not said. I'm not saying said, just the gameplay. Oh, the gameplay. The gameplay. The gameplay. Right, yes, right. Well, I will I will my I will be on my best behavior. Okay. We got a Patrick who wants to know, uh, would Sam Knight wear an Alex Jonestown massacre shirt if one got sent to him? I think that I would, for sure. You would. 
He would. He would take free shirts in general. They also played they all, at our, Alex Jonestown Massacre. Played at the uh, at the Richmond show that we did. The benefit for the uh, for the Richmond DSA, the brake light. That's true. That's yes. yes. I forgot about that. They did. did. That was a great show. That was yeah, that was, that was a, a Richmond rules. I had, I had a great time down there. Yeah. Uh, of course, as I said, five dollars a month on Patreon. You can view the live stream of the show. You also get your own uh, poem read on the air. Uh, I'm going to read one right now for a new subscriber. This one's for Sarah. In deep recesses of the mind live odd creatures. They are called Care Bears. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. You remember that show, Care Bears? I do. Do you remember at all, like, what they were doing or what the show's about or, like, why why Care Bears? Didn't they shoot lasers out of their stomach? They did stuff like that, but why? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Thanks again to Sarah and to all our new subscribers on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash... District Sentinel. Can I have the newscast here? Just a second. Uh, update from uh, yesterday's show. We talked about uh, the case of Mr. Uh, Villa Vicencio. Via Vicencio, Pablo right. Via Vicencio, the uh, pizza delivery driver who was detained by ICE after making a delivery uh, to an army base in Brooklyn. Well, he was freed. A judge is reviewing his case and he was released today. And the judge uh, said he should go through the uh, he was already applying for for uh, documentation for permanent residency because his wife is a U.S. citizen. He has two uh, U.S. citizen kids. Then, yeah, so it looks like at least there will be a happy ending here. And that's pretty good. Yeah. Good news to kick things off here. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I I was just going to say another interesting story, not unrelated, is there was a Pew poll that came out yesterday polling people about all their opinions on all the agencies. And and the only only agency with negative opinions about it was ICE. Mm. Net negative. The only agency. It's working. It's working, folks. It is working. working. It's working. It's also showing the centrists are uh, blathering about nothing when they say, abolish ICE is going to ruin the Democrats. (laughs) Sorry, I had to get that in there. It's Wednesday, July 25th, 2018. Here's the news. We received a reminder in federal court today that the fastest route to impeaching Trump might not run through Russia, but through the Trump Hotel in D.C. It's long been alleged that Trump is violating the Emoluments Clause of the Constitution by profiting off foreign dignitaries staying at his D.C. hotel while on business in the States. And the U.S. District Court of Maryland ruled on Wednesday that a lawsuit making those allegations against Trump can indeed move forward. The lawsuit was brought by the state of Maryland and the District of Columbia. The premise is pretty simple. The Constitution prohibits the president and other elected officials from accepting emoluments gifts or titles from foreign governments. Trump is maintaining ownership of his hotel in D.C., which is frequented by foreign individuals who are thusly providing profits for the president. This marks the first time, actually, that a federal judge has defined an emolument 
to include the type of transactions going on at Trump's hotel. Judge Peter Massette wrote, quote, The court determines that plaintiffs have convincingly argued that the term emolument means any profit, gain, or advantage. Maryland and D.C. suit is just one of many targeting Trump's violation of the emoluments clause. Today's ruling means the plaintiffs can proceed with their case against Trump moving on to discovery, which could entail examining the books at the Trump Hotel to determine the extent of foreign profits the president is receiving and from where could also mean examining Trump's tax returns. I wonder if this means that surfboard willies in Florida can now sue because of uh, Mar-a-Lago getting mm. all the uh, all the foreign business. Pray for surfboard willies. Prominent Democratic senators are proposing debt relief for Puerto Rico. Today, they unveiled legislation that would give U.S. territories the ability to write off some of their obligations if they if they meet certain criteria. To qualify, a territory must have been hit by a disaster, have high debt over fifteen thousand dollars per capita or it must have suffered a population loss of 5% over the past decade. Territories will need to tick two out of these three boxes to qualify for relief under the bill. Puerto Rico checks all three. Before Hurricane Maria devastated the island last year, it had $17,000 in public debt per capita. That's according to CNBC. The bill would also propose $15 billion in relief to people who owe money to the Puerto Rican government, It carves out as ineligible for assistance in this program, quote, hedge funds and their investors, bond insurers, and many large financial firms. Not a bad footnote there. Raising the possibility that this legislation will eventually one day become law, major 2020 contenders are co-sponsors. We have Bernie Sanders, Kirsten Gillibrand, and Kamala Harris. Elizabeth Warren is also a co-sponsor. As The Intercept noted today, all four have previously proposed a $146 billion Marshall Plan-style recovery package for Puerto Rico. Until now, they had not backed debt relief. Total debt relief for Puerto Rico and everyone else, for that matter. The Government Accountability Office, an internal watchdog, informed Congress that federal IT systems are still at high risk of a cybersecurity threat. Federal cybersecurity has been designated a high-risk area by the GAO, since 1997. The shortcomings identified by the agency include mitigating global supply chain risks. This relates to having to purchase critical technology from so-called cyber adversaries like China and Russia. Uh, Also, the government is uh, falling short on ensuring the security of emerging technologies like the Internet of Things, addressing workforce management challenges, protecting critical infrastructure, and sensitive data protection. GAO noted in its report to Congress today that of the more than 3,000, 3,000 recommendations made to various federal departments since 2010, 3,000 recommendations, about 1,000 still remain open. 1,000 recommendations still not addressed. Reading from the report, until these shortcomings are addressed, federal agencies' information and systems will be increasingly susceptible to the multitude of cyber-related threats that exist. You don't often see government officials admit that they're kind of flying blind. One financial regulator in the Trump administration isn't so shy about it, believe it or not. CFTC Chairman J. Christopher Giancarlo has routinely claimed that his agency needs more money, 
more experts, and more technology in order to monitor financial speculators. Today, Giancarlo discussed the subject before the House Agriculture Committee. Here he discusses agency analysts who keep tabs or actually struggle to keep tabs on commodities markets. It is very sophisticated information that they're looking at, and we need people that have quantitative skills to analyze trading data to find misbehavior in the market so then we can take enforcement action and go after it. As I said earlier, we do need to transform the CFTC and I think metal, m- many regulatory agencies from, from analog-based um, regulators to really digital-based automated. We, we are dealing with massive amounts of market data and, and the challenge is, are we really seeing the telltale signs of what that data is telling us in time to be able to do something with it? So if there's a catastrophe involving commodities prices and high-frequency trading or algorithmic trading, and everyone knows there's a, and everyone claims after the disaster that there was no way of knowing how that could have happened, well, actually, yeah, there may have been. Congress has been warned of this problem for years, quite frankly, and uh, John Carlo sounding the alarm yet again today. Yeah, I feel like we've been talking about the idea of high-frequency trading and robots doing most of the purchases on the stock market for like a decade now. <laughs> don't know a lot about uh, the quantitative stuff, but I do know that uh, some of these, these models, uh, you know, they have a normal distribution of risk, but all it takes is for one crazy event one event outside anomalous event to really cause everything to uh, go kaput finally the operation to retake raqqa from the islamic state finished last year but the u.s is still killing scores of civilians every month in syria in the first half of this year there were between 263 and 460 civilians killed by u.s-led coalition military actions that's according to an estimate released today by air wars a watchdog monitoring the impact of the war on the Islamic State and foreign intervention in the Syrian civil war. The group believes that to date, U.S.-led operations against the Islamic State have killed between 6,400 and 9,800 civilians in both Iraq and Syria. That's between two to three 9-11s for those who can only think in terms of bad things that happen to Americans. Today, Air Wars also noted that in the first half of this year, civilian casualties from Russian strikes hit a six-month record high. Up to 2,882 Syrian civilians were estimated killed by Russian military actions. And that is going to do it for the newscast on this Wednesday. Got any uh, comments on the YouTube live comments we could read off? Uh, No more, I guess. I guess all the... Uh, all the comments stopped, huh? Let's see. Uh, what's this? I hope intern Nate gets video game privileges today, Kevin says. <laughs> you know, intern Nate and I were gaming last night, and uh, he didn't do much gaming. No, he didn't. He said he said he was tired, but I got to be honest. Intern Nate, uh, he loves the takes. He was on his phone. It's, it's, it's tough for Nate to stay focused on one game. He came down the other day, and he <laughs> played... He played like one round of GTA until like he got murked by the cops. Then he immediately turned it off and he played one game of Battlefield until that round ended. And then he played a third game of FIFA, I guess he played for a little bit or some. He played like three different games in the span of about an hour. That's how Nate games. Uh, we got Luke here who uh, says his dad has been, uh, has MSNBC on all day long and it sucks. <laughs> Uh, so do we. We have it on all day long here, too. And yeah, uh, it does suck. 
Patrick said, uh, DM, DM him your, uh, the address to send the shirt. Will do. Thanks, Patrick. Yeah. Uh, if you have two of them, I'll wear one too. Not to act like a jealous boy over here, but I feel a little well, left stop, out. Stop trying to worm your way into my free shirt. I wouldn't mind a shirt. That's all I'm saying. Okay. All right. Uh, all right. Let's listen to the uh, rant line before we go. Hey, District Sentinel. It's Dude Slater. It's a dark day. I'm going to let you know why. It's because Twitter has forced me to delete the Big Dave tweet and lock my account for 12 hours. Um, you know, let us not mourn too long the death of the Big Dave tweet, but celebrate the life. Um, while it was up there, it managed to get circulation from BuzzFeed, Benny Johnson, Dana Loesch, Kurt Schlichter. Um, Ken Bone was in the replies to Dana Loesch. He said he is on the lookout for Big Dave when he's at the high school uh, leadership summit. Um, I don't know. It's him a little choked up. I, I think we had a lot of fun with this thing. And it's it's just tragedy that it had to be cut down in the prime of his life. Um, dude Slater out. Good work on that, uh, Dude Slater. And I just imagine Ken Bone walking around that conference ready to be the enforcer ready to protect teenagers from a from a, a fictional character with a baseball bat and in barbed wire kinbone remember when people believed the conceit for 5 weeks or whatever that kinbone was actually an undecided voter <laughs> yeah uh, again good work dude slater i think he was doing that on assignment from vox actually so uh, <laughs> nice Hey guys, so I actually meant to call in a couple weeks ago uh, about this when you guys were talking about Brett Kavanaugh and these uh, D.C. area private schools that all the political elites send their kids to. So apparently um, the private school that I went to uh, in the D.C. area was the one that all the neocons sent their kids to uh, because in the year 2002, uh, I was in the same class as one of... Uh, Douglas, or, uh, yeah, one of Douglas Fife's kids, uh, one of David Frum's kids, Ugh. and one of David Brooks's kids. So <laughs> I'm thinking that if in 2002 the school had burned down during the parent-teacher conferences, <laughs> there probably wouldn't have been an Iraq war. <laughs> so just thought you guys should know that, and uh, have a good one. Ah. Uh. Interesting bit of information there. Call back and let us know how many of them smoked weed that you know of. Let us know uh, on air. That sounds like pretty interesting information. I I seem to remember some uh, girls in my high school once reported that Bill Frist's son hit on them in Chipotle or some asshole senator's son was like, do you know who my dad is? (laughs) Bill Frist's problematic son here. Okay, okay. Now I feel bad because... You know, I what if it wasn't him or whatever? But I should have just said some senator. But alleged, alleged, come sue us. It wasn't, whatever. Yes, please don't, please don't sue us. Before Actually, we go, do Patrick, who uh, offering Sam Knight the shirts, wanted to said that he thought that I didn't like live bands, which is kind of true. But I do like t-shirts, so uh, feel free to send me one. I'll wear it on air. That's gonna do it for the show. Thank you for watching. Thank you for supporting our little project. Call the rant line 202-684-6108. Sponsors of the show include the Congressional Dish Podcast, 
Hosted by Jen Briney. Find it at congressionaldish.com. Other sponsors, levelnews.org and Citizen Capital. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Tune in by searching for District Sentinel Radio. Give us a review. Give us a rating. Tell your friends to listen. The newscast, it's back next week. The Sentinel cast is coming out on Thursday for subscribers. Patreon.com slash District Sentinel. We're here in D.C., so you don't have to be.